I really like having some live music today. Last week worked well with the recorded song, but I appreciate having a piano and a violin and a mandolin and drums. I appreciate the little family coming and helping out this morning with that to keep us under our mandated 10 people involved in the service. So we're happy for that. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do at home, take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Now, if you're a part of the Grace family, you'll realize that about two and a half years ago, we were in this passage as we were studying through the book of Romans. But I think it really is a good verse, a good chapter, uh, section of this chapter for us to come back to today to look at and think about what the Apostle Paul is saying. You can compare that to what the Apostle Peter says also. Both of them deal with the fact that there will be suffering in this world that we will not have a life of ease just because uh, we are believers. Just because we come to faith in Christ does not mean that we are set free from pain and sickness and, and suffering of all sorts of kinds. And I think we need to realize that. We're not exempt from the coronavirus just because we are in Christ. Now, ultimately, ultimately we will know absolute healing from any kind of sickness and any kind of disease when we are in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ. But we rejoice that Paul dealt with it honestly, as did Peter when, uh, when, we were talk- when he's talking to his- the people he's writing in Rome in this case. Follow along your Bible as I read, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained uh, access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice also in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak, helpless, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's a powerful passage. The Apostle Paul has spent the first four chapters of Romans talking about how we need a right relationship with God and how because of sin, that relationship has been broken. And so now Paul comes to this point of saying, but now we who are in Christ, later on in Romans 8, he'll even emphasize it more by saying we have no condemnation. But now he says, we who are in Christ, we've been justified by faith. We have been, we have been made right with God by faith through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, Paul goes on to talk about suffering here. And as we look around our culture and around our nation, around our world, 
we realize that there's a lot of suffering going on. There's economic suffering. There's physical suffering. There's emotional suffering. A lot of people are just really struggling right now. And Paul says, I want you to understand that just because we're in Christ, we are not exempt from that type of suffering. Matter of fact, he, he brings it together here to say that even our suffering has purpose when we are in Christ. E even our suffering has a purpose to it that will work for our good. Remember Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And we are li living in the love of God and in the purpose of Christ. We have to realize that God will use everything around us, no matter how tragic it might be, for our own good, for our benefit, and ultimately for His glory. As a matter of fact, Paul is saying here in this passage that suffering is the one and only path to glory. Think about that for a minute. That was true for Christ, wasn't it? His way to glory and being glorified in the presence of the Father once again was through the cross. It was through the humiliation and the agony of that Passion Week that we'll be talking about in just a couple of weeks when He was placed on a cross and crucified and bore our sins on that cross. That was a path to glory that, ex that experienced much suffering. And so Paul says, don't you understand that if it was for Christ that way, it will also be that way for us. It's the only path to glory. Secondly, he makes clear that suffering leads to glory in the end, for sure, when we are transformed out of this body and into His presence. When, when that takes place, there is glory. But Paul also wants to understand that in this life, it leads to maturity. It leads to endurance. It leads to patience. It leads to being able to face whatever comes our way, looking not at the circumstances, but looking to Him. I remember a story I read years ago about uh, Robert Chapman, who was a Bible teacher in the 1800s in England. And one day, Chapman, who taught a lot about God's grace and God's purpose and God's work in people's lives, had a young man come to him one day and said, uh, Mr. Chapman, I want to ask you to pray for me. And, and Chapman said, I'll be happy to pray for you. What do you want me to pray for? And he said, I want you to pray for me to have patience. For me to have patience. And Chapman said, absolutely, I'll do that. And the young man was quite surprised. He said, let's pray right now. And so Chapman began his prayer this way. He said, oh, Lord, I ask you to send this young man tribulation and hardships and sufferings. Amen. Well, the young man was taken aback quite, much, quite a much. And he said, uh, Mr. Chapman, you didn't understand me. I asked for you to pray for me to have patience. And Chapman said, I know. And that's what I did. Because patience only comes through tribulation or suffering. It only comes and brings endurance when we know what it is to look to Christ in the midst of difficulties rather than depending upon ourselves. I've heard a lot of people say during this time that, that one of the things that God is doing through this coronavirus episode is that He's, he's shutting down all the idols. He's shutting down all the things that tend to distract us from Him. Now, we are a clever people, and, and sadly, sometimes we find other idols to bring up during this time. We find other things to distract us during this time. But I think God wants to use that in your life and my life during this time to say, Lord, I want to trust in you. I want to look to you. I've had people more times than I can count in the, my, life, my years of ministry say, 
You know, Pastor, I really wish I had more time to pray, but I just don't have more time to pray. Folks, we've got time to pray now. Or say, I really would like to study the Bible or read some really classic Christian works, but my job is so demanding and everything is going on with my family and all their activities and my job. I just don't have time to read. I don't have time to study the Bible. You've got time right now. Folks, this is a time when we ought to discipline ourselves for godliness. This is a time when we ought to say, Lord, we're going through this period of tragedy, this period of, of suffering. But we want to turn that toward you, Lord. We want to trust you. We want to see what it is that you want us to learn through this time. Because you see, endurance and patience and even spiritual growth really comes best in times of suffering. When things are going our way, when things are all perfect, it would seem, when the economy's up and our income is up and, and we're healthy and we can go out and do whatever we want to do, we tend to think, I'm okay, I've arrived. But when we hit times like this, we begin to recognize that our self-sufficiency is not, dare I say, sufficient. And hopefully during this time, we will learn that while we are not sufficient within ourselves, that Christ is always sufficient, always sufficient. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul makes clear here in that fifth verse that suffering is the best context in which to become assured of God's love listen to what he says in verse 5 and hope does not put us to shame and remember that's that hope is not like we tend to use hope oh boy I hope this happens no this hope is an assurance this is the hope of his glory the promised hope that God has given to us and and hope doesn't put us to shame it doesn't disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, this is the first place in the whole book of Romans Paul mentions the Holy Spirit. And he says here the, the first mark, the first job of the Holy Spirit is to pour out God's love into your heart, into our hearts, as we understand how much God loves us. Some people might want to challenge that idea. They want to say that suffering and everything would be just the opposite. It might show that God doesn't love us because he's letting these things happen. I mentioned yesterday in the devotional I did for our church family that the children of Israel were that way. They were brought out of Egypt, brought out of slavery, brought out of bondage. They were delivered. Dare I say they were given salvation in a, in a very foreshadowing way of the salvation that is in Christ. And when they got out in the wilderness and, and God was ready to give them the promised land and they sent the spies in and the spies came back and 10 of them said, listen, the people are too big. The cities are too much of a fortress. We can't go in there. We will be slain. And the people began to cry out, has God brought us out of Egypt because he hates us to just deliver us over to these people to be defeated and to be destroyed? I think sometimes we... We inadvertently and, and maybe even unconsciously think, God, if, if you loved us, you wouldn't let us suffer at all. If you loved us, everything would be perfect. But he never promised that. 
He never said that would be a reality. But he did promise that in the midst of that suffering, I will be pouring out my love into your life by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an ever-present help and an ever-present security in these times of difficulty. Paul brings the Holy Spirit in here just at the right time because it's the Holy Spirit that applies that justification to our life. It's the Holy Spirit that is, the, if you will, the first consequence of our justification, the reality of Him indwelling us and filling us and letting us know that He's there with us no matter what, reminding us of how much God really does love us. The Holy Spirit really is God's first gift to us in salvation. Folks, I would say to you, during these times of, of many of you in, the, in absolute shelter at home and quarantine, many of you not even able to go out of your house except to go to the drugstore or go to the grocery store or, or something of that nature, or maybe go to the doctor if, if your doctor is still working during this time. I mean, that's awfully confined. But I would say to you, this is the time to lean upon the Lord, to trust in His grace and trust in His Holy Spirit and walk with Him during this time. It, it, it teaches us in this passage that the Holy Spirit was given to us at a particular time. Paul talks here and uses the past tense. For the Holy Spirit has poured out into our hearts the love of God. He's been given to us. It's not something we have to hope will come or something that maybe if we get strong enough, we'll know the Holy Spirit. Paul says, I want you to know, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is there with you. The Holy Spirit is watching over you. The Holy Spirit will draw you close. So draw near unto Him as He draws you near unto Himself through prayer and the reading of the Word and the study of the Word. That is so vital and so important during these days. You know, it's amazing to me that our God does love us so much that He will not leave us alone. Jesus said to His disciples at the end of Matthew's Gospel as He's getting ready to to ascend back into heaven. It's after his crucifixion, after the sacrifice has been made, it's after his resurrection, and after he's ministered to his disciples for a period of time. And he's meeting with his disciples, and he says, listen, I give you all authority. All authority is given to me, and I grant it to you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, declaring to men all things that you have been taught teaching them to observe all things that you've been taught. And then he says this great phrase, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. I mean, right in the middle of the Great Commission, just as our Lord is preparing to ascend back into heaven, he gives us those tender words. I'm with you. You'll never go through the storm without me. You'll never go through the virus or the quarantine or the economic downturn without me. It may be uncomfortable. And as we look around, most of us are still experiencing relative comfort even though we're experiencing high anxiety. But he has promised, I will be there 
with you always. So this, this, this initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life, at salvation. And then there is the continuing flood, if you will, of the Holy Spirit pouring out into our lives as we come to Him and worship Him and walk with Him. The Apostle Paul goes on in that passage in those last verses to talk about how while we were weak and, and helpless, there he's talking about before we were in Christ. While we were weak and helpless at just the right time, in the perfect timing of human history, Christ died. Now we could spend the afternoon talking about the significance of the pinpointing of time when Christ came and the offering that he gave. But here's a point Paul wants you to understand. He did that. And he comes to you in your weakest hour. He comes to you when you realize you can't do anything for your own salvation or even your own sufficiency. You know the famous American proverb, not a biblical proverb, but American proverb, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, if you can find that in the Bible, I want you to email it to me because it's not there. No, Paul is saying here quite the difference. He says, for while we were still weak, helpless, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, God helps those who have no hope of helping themselves. God helps those who are weak and helpless and in need. Now, if he did that for us for our salvation, I contend to you this afternoon that he will continue to do that as we walk with him and as we trust him. He will continue to show his power because he says, we were once enemies, but we were reconciled to God by the blood of Christ. In doing that, he saved us from the wrath of God that a believer will never know. And he said, but much more. I love that verse 10 where he says, but now much more now we are reconciled and we shall be saved by his life. In other words, we have been saved for justification. We are being saved in sanctification as the Holy Spirit is working in our life. And we ultimately will be saved from the ultimate wrath of God for all of eternity. From the power of sin, the present, uh, the present, uh, the uh, power of sin, the penalty of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. His salvation is complete in the life of a believer. He said we rejoice in our sufferings because God is using those for a purpose in our life. He said we rejoice in our sufferings because they build character and perseverance and patience. They teach us not to lean on ourselves. They teach us to lean upon Christ in totality. But the ultimate rejoicing is not in the sufferings. And he closes out this section with this. More than that, verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. He draws it all the way back to focusing on God. He said we rejoice in the sufferings because we know God is at work. We rejoice in the sufferings because we know the Holy Spirit is with us 
and will see us through those sufferings. We, we rejoice in the sufferings because He is building His character in our life, the very fruit of the Spirit that He brings about through the things we go through. But He says, here's the ultimate truth. Our rejoicing is in God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our rejoicing is in His work and His power. Our rejoicing is in knowing that He is sovereign, in knowing that He loves us, in knowing that He cares for us, in knowing that He will protect us. And if something in this world takes our life, He will receive us to Himself in glory. God is so good. We sang about, it is well with my soul, written out of personal tragedy when Horatio Spafford's daughters were killed in a tragic accident sea when the ship they were on went down days later as he was traveling to meet his wife in england the ship captain that he was traveling on said called him and said from his stateroom this is where your daughters perished we're over the very spot he went back to his stateroom and wrote that great hymn it is well with my soul you cannot imagine the the grief and the pain and the tragedy of losing your children like that because the Holy Spirit was pouring out God's love in his heart, he penned those great words. The other hymn we sang, He Will Hold Me Fast, a, a hymn written in the 1800s during a time of great awakening when many people were coming to Christ and coming to faith in Christ. And, and many were worried. Some preachers were writing people and writing hymn writers and saying, Our people are worried. They can't hang on. They can't hold on to this. So the writer of that hymn, which has been contemporized today and very popular today, but written over a hundred years ago, wrote this hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast. When I fear my faith will fail, He will hold me fast. When I fear the enemy's going to prevail, He will hold me fast. When I fear that the coronavirus is spreading across, and I'm scared of it, and I'm anxious because of it. He will hold me fast. Heed the Apostle Paul's words as we come to a close in Philippians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul said, Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And when we seek Him, when we dwell on the things that Paul lists there, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is righteous, whatever is of good purpose, of good repute, he's just talking about Christ there and talking about the Scriptures. When we dwell on those things and take our petitions to God in prayer, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. The peace of God will care for you. You see, he started out this chapter by saying, we have peace with God. That's our justification. But now in our Christian walk, we have the peace of God. His presence, His closeness, His nearness in time of trouble. A very present help in time of trouble. Bow with me as we pray and as Pastor Michael West comes and leads us in our closing prayer.